Barbie. Hi, Barbie. <laughs> How you doing, Barbie? I'm so good, Barbie. I'm so good because we are talking about Barbie today. Whee! The movie of the summer and the year the movie and the of decade. The century, babe. And my life. We're going to try today, but there's no way for me to put into words what this movie has meant to me and how it has fundamentally changed me over the past 24 hours since I've seen it. Welcome to our review of Barbie. So before we get started, uh, Caitlin, how was your week? Did you have a nice week so far? Well, I honestly, I don't remember Monday through Friday, but Saturday was great. It was great. And Sunday was cool too. I mean, you spent some of your week at the Barbie movie. All I remember is Barbie. I mean, in a way, that's a good thing because I do feel like I left that movie with a very changed outlook on my life. And maybe, maybe that's Same. not permanent, but it is at least, it is, it, it's, it's so far it is permanent to the extent that like I got home and there was a giant gaping hole in my ceiling that water oh, was yeah. pouring out of and it didn't phase me as much as I think it would have had I not gone and seen the Barbie movie. Right, right. Barbie just makes everything better. Yeah, she changed me. She changed my life. She made me think about the beauty of being human. And sometimes humans have giant gaping holes in their ceiling because housing policy in the U.S. And, <laughs> and she made me feel better about it. I'm so happy for you. So we will be talking about Barbie, but one of us did in fact do the Barbenheimer double feature. Yeah. And that one of us is you, Miss Emberlyn. So please, as I know, I haven't seen Oppenheimer. I do want to see it, um, uh-huh. but you did Barbenheimer. Tell me what your experience was like. Which one did you see first? How do the two movies? They're not like made to fit together, but I what I've heard no. is that they kind of unintentionally do kind of go together because they have like similar themes somehow <laughs> between Barbie and then yeah. the man who created the atomic bomb. It's so interesting <laughs> that there's so much crossover between them. <laughs> But including like, horses, correct? Including horses. <laughs> Even the horses made it into Barbenheimer. Perfect crossover material. The reason men are the way they are is because they are all secretly closeted horse girls. <laughs> I love that so much. So tell me, tell me, what was your experience? What did you see first? Let's start there. I saw Barbie first, but then I saw Oppenheimer later in the day. Oh, interesting take. Yes, and it wasn't intentional. It was more just that the availability of tickets lined up such that it was easier for me to see Barbie earlier in the day. The seats were better than mm-hmm. at the end of the day and vice versa. I think to most people, my suggestion would probably be to, to do Oppenheimer first, Barbie second, because the impending doom you feel after Oppenheimer can probably only be sullied by the humanity of the Barbie movie. <laughs> like, just... Even the Barbie movie is heavy too, but at least it's not well, like well, that's the thing. heavy. That's the thing is you said like, oh, I don't know if I could – go by myself to see Oppenheimer I don't know if I could go by myself to see Barbie now yeah the context which we'll talk about more in a moment but Mm -hmm. that said you know they were both very good movies different kinds of good but to your point that they were very similar you're exactly right that they were in a lot of ways about the same thing what happens to men when they don't adequately communicate and express themselves and embrace their emotions and Mm. like the the repercussions of that and I learned that last night from someone on TikTok who brought that up just after I finished oh, yeah? the movie and my jaw dropped. I was like, oh my God, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. Because 
And I won't spoil Oppenheimer for anyone because they came here for a Barbie review only and you haven't seen it yet, Caitlin. But Mm -hmm. um, it is really fascinating how a lot of what happens to Oppenheimer later in the movie is because of some real petty shit. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Yeah. Yes. But also, I would say the one benefit I think of watching Oppenheimer after Barbie is that I think I have a really different perception of the women in the Oppenheimer film now that I've seen Mm. Barbie first. Like, because Barbie really is a, a movie about, you know, the experience, both beautiful and horrifying, of womanhood. And to see the women in this movie portrayed the way they were... Like, Kitty Oppenheimer, for example, his wife, she's really portrayed throughout the movie as, like, kind of, like, an angry alcoholic. But there's layers to that, right? Because she's also a wife and a mother in in the early 1930s and 40s and 50s who is has, like, all of this pressure on her individually to be everything for her husband. And the movie's mm. not really about her and doesn't really touch on that. But I found myself thinking a lot more about that than I think I would have had I not seen Barbie first. So that's something. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Let's talk about Barbie now. Let's talk about Barbie! we've waited long enough. Caitlin, what are your immediate reactions to this movie? First of all, everyone was wearing pink in my theater, and it was the most magical experience ever. And I'm not even, like, exaggerating. So I went with my friend, and we were both in our own cute little pink outfits. Like, we were, like, ready. Like, we got together beforehand. We did our makeup, our hair, and everything. It was it was an event, baby. Yes. And so we park our car at the movie theater, and the first thing we see is this other woman get out of her car, and she's in, like, this adorable, like, pink, like, sweatsuit like outfit and it was so cute and she had like really blonde long hair so she was just barbie and we were like we both like my friend and i were like oh my god look at her this is great and i was like oh my god this is the energy i want to see then we get out of the car and i see ahead of us people walking into the theater pink shirts pink dresses all these outfits i was like oh my god this is this is incredible and then we get inside the theater and the theater itself is decorated in Ah. like, like the lobby it had like cute decorations hanging from the ceiling there was a bar that you could get drinks at at this theater and they had like a Barbie specific drink and um, everybody was in line. Everyone again, wearing just pink outfits, which is adorable. And they also had like a big uh, backdrop that you could take photos at. That was all pink with like the Barbie posters and everything. And it was just, I've never been so excited to just walk into a movie theater before. Like, just just the fact that everyone was there for the same thing. And I'm a girly who loves a collective experience. I love yeah. even just watching shows at the same time as people. Like, it makes me so happy because I'm like, we're all doing this. Like, with Strangers You Don't Even Know, you both came to the conclusion to do the same thing at the same time. And it was just the fact that so many people all had the same idea of, like, no one said, okay, when we go to the Barbie movie, we're all going to wear pink. It was just kind of like a thing that everyone collectively decided and everyone did it. The theater was packed. Everyone was wearing it pink. Again, it was beautiful. Someone brought their Barbies and I saw them like hold up their Barbies as it was starting oh. to be like excited. It was adorable. It was just wonderful. The The groups of women that came in, like the friend groups, the families that came together of all like coordinating like there was the row in front of us had like 10 people who all came in together they all were taking their pictures of their whole group and everything it was just like it was so exciting the movie didn't even start yet and I already wanted to cry just because of like everyone just being so happy and everyone's complimenting each other like on their outfits we all know that we're all here together it was just it was so sweet and lovely and I 
I just I want to do it again <laughs> so bad but there's just something about like the magic of like that first that night one time of yeah. everyone doing this and it was it was awesome it was it was so cool this is a special movie too because there are layers to that right the other part of this is like it's a lot of young girls and women and mm-hmm. mothers and daughters what I really loved about yesterday is like I don't know any of the other women or girls in the theater but we're all crying together we're all laughing at the same things together we're all nodding along when something happens that is deeply relatable that to me is is everything right it's everything it is like an in-person retweet you know there's something so deeply validating about that I just called collective experiences an in-person retweet I feel like I'm gonna probably get (laughs) back for that later and I I don't love that at some point in my life I stopped thinking about social media experiences in terms of like and like their real life counterparts and started thinking the opposite way about real life experiences (laughs) and their social media counterparts which goes to show you how much I've been outside of my house in the past three years but but yeah like I agree with you it was like such a great experience to where like everywhere I went yesterday I went and saw this movie in Georgetown in Mm -hmm. Washington DC and everybody was decked out like the entire street was full of people in bright pink and there were like so many places that had like pink advertisements and like specials that were Barbie themed. Mm. You just got the sense that it was almost like a festival. Um, yeah, and that's I exactly what it felt like. Yeah, and I haven't seen that for a movie in such a long time. There were like so many Barbie themed and like Barbenheimer themed yes. parties this week. My neighbor actually invited us to one and I we couldn't go. But when I got home that night, there was just like the trowel of glitter like down the hallway. <laughs> and I was like, yes, it's like it's happening. A friend of mine actually just told me that a very similar thing happened in the early 2010s for the double release of The Dark Knight and Mamma Mia. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, I didn't know that. So like no. these two blockbuster films apparently premiered at the same time. And I don't think the obsession was as great because the Barbie marketing team, like they're doing the most. But yeah. but like it was the same thing where it was like everyone wanted to see these two movies. So a lot of people treated it as a double feature because you had like the fun party movie with, with ABBA. And then you had the dark, mysterious movie with Christian Bale and Heath Ledger. And oh, you just kind of did both. This. Yes. That's yes. so cool. There's something about things starting as a meme, but like one thing, and especially with like our age group specifically, yeah. is that if there's one thing that we do, it's we commit to the bit. Mm-hmm. We say, we're going to do this, and then the second it comes, we're still going to do it. Like when they announced the fact that Barbie and Oppenheimer were coming out at the same weekend, and it immediately everyone's like, Barbenheimer double feature, baby. It's still mm-hmm. this weekend, so many people went and did the double feature. Like the meme of it all. Like, the collective group commitment to we're going to do a Barbenheimer double feature because isn't that hilarious? Mm-hmm. That, I feel like, does wonders for movies like this. So, and then I had a coworker today bring up the idea of the studios next year are going to try and repeat this, but they're not going to yeah. be able to because it it's be not organic and it's going to be forced and it's not going to be the same because it's you need to let people decide that, not yeah. once again be advertised to be told to do something that's such a good point because i feel like we have this problem a lot with like ideas that are not original we try Mm -hmm. to recreate them over and over and over again Mm -hmm. um because of i don't know greed um and they never work out quite the way that they do when everything happens organically and when people all come together and and collectively decide on something Mm -hmm. and there's like a democratic element that's driven purely by entertainment and joy and humor and not by money so I think it's really funny that, 
you say that because what is that going to be like <laughs> I don't know but it, you got to let things happen I think it's okay for things to be a once in a lifetime thing or like we had a one really good movie and just because it did well does not mean that it needs a sequel the you five know? nights at or freddy's brats the movie double feature <laughs> like what are you doing <laughs> five brats at freddy's <laughs> five brats at freddy's yeah <laughs> so we've talked a little bit about like the phenomenon of the movie in our immediate reactions but in terms of the film itself and and your immediate reactions to the film i don't know about you but i don't think i stopped crying <laughs> at all <laughs> at all yeah <laughs> Like, I think I knew it was going to, like, I knew it was going to, we all knew it was going to be a great movie. We walked into the theater, and the guy that scanned our tickets was like, it's literally, like, Legally Blonde. And I was like, okay, it's going to be, like, Legally Blonde. And then it was so much more existential than that. Yeah. And I don't know why I didn't think that was going to happen to me. I was not expecting to be gutted by it. And I've seen all of Greta's movies, like, all of them, Mm -hmm. um, including Nights and Weekends. And I don't know why I thought I would have like a perfectly fun and simple time enjoying this movie like I know Greta I know I know what she does to people (laughs) like yeah yeah yeah, like like I know her like I know myself and I don't know why Mm. I thought I was gonna like walk into that movie and walk out feeling fun and funky and not at all (laughs) displaced and in need of an emergency call with my therapist not to be controversial but I don't think I've ever seen a Greta Gerwig film until this weekend when I watched Barbie. I have not seen Little Women. I have not seen Lady Bird. I cannot name another movie that she's done other than those two. But I know the reaction that you have had to them, which is why part of me was just like, I wouldn't be surprised if this movie's a little bit more than what it seems to be. And so when Barbie like started to have her like existential crisis, I was like, uh-oh. Is this, <laughs> is this fucking play about us? <laughs> it's like... And by us, I mean me. Miss had an existential crisis two weeks ago at 3 a.m. <laughs> like, I was like, oh, no, Miss Greta. Miss Greta, what are you doing to me personally? What are we doing? And it was a fun and very fun girly pop movie. But also, it was like one of those, like, this was made for everyone. But also, I feel like specifically for those of us, like, in this stage of life where it's just like, what are we doing? We're not doing enough. I should have done this by this age already. And I don't know where I'm going mm-hmm. from here. Like I, it, it was so personal to me. And I, it was one of those, like, I'm so glad I saw this movie now. Yeah. I get to go see Barbie mm-hmm. at 25. This is perfect. This is great. Yes, exactly. <laughs> this is the experience I needed it to be. So it was, oh, it was so much, but it was, it was perfect to me. Like it wasn't perfect, but it was, it was perfect. <laughs> um, in my theater, Greta Gerwig actually, walked out onto the stage, pointed at me and said, you, and then walked out. You. <laughs> and she gave no information. Yeah. She's like, this is about you, babe. And then she left. She was like, that's it. All right, goodbye. Nice I'm going to get back on my plane, head back to wherever, LA. I think I want to take us down the road because I think we're already heading down this road, whether mm-hmm. we wanted to be or not, of talking about like some of the key themes in the movie because it wasn't just girly pop. It was also girl fail and girl suffer and girl doomed by the narrative (laughs) i'd love to hear some of your initial reactions to learning that this movie really is about the experiences of girlhood and womanhood and how they shape us it was kind of like one of those like you learn as you go like i wasn't just like oh this is going to be existential barbie and it's going to be all depressing and deep and blah 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 because it was still like 
so funny for a long time in the in the beginning and I'm just like ha 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 I'm having a great time but I'm starting to think about my <laughs> Wait, life. Wait, am I thinking? Am I <laughs> thinking deeply about this funny ha ha movie? Like, am I having feelings? I didn't come here to feel. I came here was, to <laughs> There were so many times where I'm like ha, ha, ha. oh so like when barbie's trying to like find the girl that's playing with her which i love the concept already it was just like when um weird barbie was like you need to go find who's playing with you and you know fix this i was like i love the concept of the two worlds coexisting and like the barbies knowing that they're barbies and i loved how like their speech patterns reflected it like you saw that immediately with their first trailer when it's just like you want to be girlfriend boyfriend yes I'm not really sure. Like I'm like I'm like yeah. this is how this is how little girls talk when they're playing with their Barbies. This is perfect. I love it. And I always kind of wondered I was like how that was going to fit in with the real world aspect. I kind of saw it coming where it's like it's not going to be the girl that she thinks it is going to be. I'm like oh maybe it's like an older girl. I'm thinking it's going to be like a girl in her 20s like being like mm-hmm. uh 20s are scary. I don't like this, but I loved so much that it was her mom. That was, like, longing for the relationship that she used to have with her daughter before she started growing up and being in middle school, high school, whatever age she was. Yeah. And to, like, also long for her own girlhood where she didn't have to be an adult who was supposed to be a career woman who was supposed to do this, this, and this. Mm -hmm. Like, there was so much pressure on her. She just wanted to play with her dollies. And I was like, oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Me too. I was just so captivated by that story, especially like how it might play out between the mother and the daughter, because I am nothing but weak for a parent child relationship. This movie, I walked out of here and I was like, I need to go hug my mommy. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I wasn't expecting a lot of the, the maternal elements of this theme, which again, yeah. I don't know why that was, because Greta's whole thing is like mommy issues. Like, <laughs> it's like I forgot that Lady Bird happened to me. And I just was like, walked into the theater with the expectation that it wouldn't happen to me again. And then it did. I really like that. I think the aspect I like most of it is that it is like, yes, like the dolls are all being played with by somebody. Mm-hmm. Like when Ken runs into the waves and then bounces off of them he goes flipping through the air like a little girl like a child would flip a doll as it's flying Uh through the air there's just something so silly about that or Mm -hmm. like when on the second day when barbie is starting to really feel the the weight of death and and doom she yeah gets dropped when she's trying to float out of her dream house There's just something so sad about that because I think it also coalesces well with the experience of girlhood. Um, Mm -hmm. Not just for the person playing with the doll, but for the doll itself. Barbie loves her life and she wants nothing to change. But when it does change, there are two distinct things that happen. When she wakes up in the morning, the way little girls do sometimes, she realizes that something is different about her. And that's how Mm -hmm. it feels, Mm -hmm. right? Like one day you wake up and you're having your period. And it's literally just happens just like that one day you wake <laughs> up and morning. you look down and you have boobs so like her breath was bad and her feet were flat like all of these things happened to her almost overnight it felt like yeah, which is very much the happens. experience of girlhood <laughs> the flip of the switch that says one day you're a girl the next day you are in danger and then that's where the other piece of this comes in when she goes to the real world and she's immediately objectified and stared at and made to feel unsafe and doesn't feel fixable until she comes back to Barbie world and remedies this whole situation with Ken and finds her Mm -hmm. community and finds herself again. Which if that's not like adulthood, if that's not life wrapped up 
in a neat pink bow, um, then I don't know what is. There's something so relatable about that to the extent that it's like painful. And I remember leaving the movie wondering to myself, because I can't remember, when was the last time that I played with my Barbies? Where are Uh. they? Where are my Barbies? You know, like, I don't know. I know they're probably in my basement at home someplace in my parents' house or, you know, somewhere. But where are they? And what was the day that I, what day did I put them down? When did I make that conscious decision? Man, I'm sad again. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) This is going to be, this is going to be a mixed bag, okay? We're going to have some really fun conversations about this movie. We're also going to cry a couple of times, probably. When Barbie entered the real world and she immediately felt self-conscious, I was just like, oh. yeah, after she leaves the safe home of Barbie land, because that's, that's what it is. Like, you don't realize it until you are an adult and you think back on it. Like, I don't know, like you go and see a movie made about one of your childhood toys and that makes you think about this. But like, yeah. you are a little girl and everything's fun and chill and you have no worries except for like, who's going to play with me on the playground tomorrow at recess. Mm-hmm. And... Then one day, all of a sudden, without even realizing, you're overly aware of your body and what you look like and what yeah. why people are looking at you and why they're looking at you differently. And it's, they're not looking at you in a fun way sometimes, you know, yeah. and not in the way that you want. Because it, it's like you go from a girl to almost like a sexualized thing in yes. most cases where it's just yeah. like, oh, I have boobs now. And all of a sudden that gives you a right to look at me. Like, no. This is a good time for us, I think, to pivot to America Ferreira's speech, Gloria's mm. speech. Mm -hmm. in the movie after the kens have taken over barbie has sort of given up and she's sitting crying flat on her face in weird barbie's house and talking about how she doesn't feel pretty enough not smart enough not enough and it's so heartbreaking gloria gives this great speech about why she's so tired of watching all the women in her life feel like they're not enough and she says i'm so tired of watching myself and every single woman tie herself into knots so that people will like us i think while the argument can be made that a lot of what is being said is surface level to the extent that like a lot of us especially in younger generations, are very used to having nuanced conversations about feminism and about the role of women in society. We also have to remember that there is a subset of the population that either A, doesn't for many fucked up reasons ingest a lot of knowledge about the female experience, but then Mm -hmm. there's also a subset of the population that would consider everything Gloria said in her speech extreme. Like the notion that women are people is considered radical to some people. And like that's the point, right? And like that is Mm -hmm. like part of what the movie is getting at is that men are so socialized to dehumanize women that to hear Gloria say such profound things, to hear such incredible monologuing from America Ferreira is kind of a, a novel thing for them. I would love to live in a world where Barbie feels like a moderate feminist take, but I feel like we haven't moved past that yet. So I'm at the very least very grateful that this was a monologue that was delivered for a movie that is making box office history. And I hope it happens again and again and again and again. Is there more to be said? Always, always, always. But I do, I do really appreciate what was said in 
her speech like so much i just love that like one of the messages with her speech because she's saying like i can't remember the entire speech because i was just kind of like watching it with my jaw on the floor like, (laughs) like one of it one of the parts that i remember was like you have to be skinny but you can't say that you have to be skinny because you gotta be healthy but that means you have to be thin and it's just like you can't there's like you can't win no matter what you do you can't win yeah and I, I love that, like, from that whole speech and then part of Gloria's character is that you don't have to go out and be the very best at everything you do. Like, you can take that pressure off. Like, you don't have to do something insane or extraordinary with your life in mm-hmm. order for it to be, like, a life well lived. Like, I loved how she's just like, just give me a Barbie that wants to be a mom or a Barbie that is just going about her daily life. I was just like, yeah, give me ordinary Barbie. <laughs> like, it doesn't have to, you don't have to reach for the moon every single time, which I think is kind of nice. I love that this movie gives you the the perspective of a capitalist immediately after she says that, which is like, that's a terrible idea. But then once the CEO of Mattel is presented with the numbers that suggest otherwise, he's like, that's like, a great idea. Because yeah. <laughs> it's the abnormal that fuels capitalism. For someone to say that ordinary is enough would be completely against the laws of capitalism <laughs> in this executive's eyes. And I think that's really funny because it totally plays into this idea that like mass consumerism is in part fueling women to feel like they're never enough. Which is crazy that that was something that was, I mean... Maybe the bar is low, but to me, that's crazy that that's something that someone pointed out in a blockbuster movie. And that's the thing about both of these films, like both Barbie and Oppenheimer, is I feel like there is a level of of nuance and self-awareness injected into both films that I wasn't expecting, you know? Like, Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that there is like a certain level of, of, of understanding that this film harbors about how it's harmful. Yeah, there was a lot of like digs at Mattel in this movie that I was like I can't believe they were allowed this like I can't believe that they were like yeah you can say that about us Marvel could never let's just put that out there let's just put out there anything owned by Disney could never so you mentioned earlier that you loved like the motherhood aspects Mm. of the film I found myself thinking a lot of the time about like what this film must mean to girls that didn't have great mother figures Mm, um yeah Because I know a lot of girls that walked out of this film saying, I needed to immediately go hug my mom. But I wonder what the experience was like watching this film for girls that didn't have that character. Was there someone else in their life that filled that spot? Like, do they have a very different sense of identity because they didn't have somebody who stood by them and watched them keep growing and and moving Mm -hmm. forward? That aside, when we learn that Gloria's memories are the memories that Barbie is connecting with, it's heartbreaking because every mother is just a girl, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so to see her returning to the Barbies after so long and, and this time that you mentioned where her daughter still liked playing with them and when she was a girl even was just so, oh, so heartbreaking. It is. And it, it, it made me think of that scene in Turning Red where the main character, like, she she goes and she gets to give a younger version of her mom a hug. I'm like, let yeah. me do that. When you say, oh, this is making 12-year-old me happy. I f- have firmly, like, adapted that concept of, oh, I'm doing this for younger me. Like, younger yeah. me would be having a ball. And just because you're still that person. 
that you were yeah. all those years ago. You're just taller, you know? <laughs> so just like allow myself to enjoy things. If someone's just like, why are you liking this Barbie movie? It's like, because seven-year-old me would have a fucking ball and she would be having a great old time and I'm doing this for her. Yeah. For me. And yeah. it just makes me, it just makes me really happy. So that's why, like, I was talking about the collective experience earlier of just, like, all of these people in the theater just still remember that childhood feeling, the childhood excitement of everything being pink. And that, that's another thing that I love about this movie is that it's made me, like, pink again. <laughs> yeah. Know? Yeah. Because it's, like, for me, like, growing up, all of a sudden, the girly things aren't cool anymore and you're not allowed to be girly. Or it's like, oh, uh-huh. you, you like that? Well, that's too girly for you. And it's just like, well... Can people just enjoy things, maybe? I was never, I mean, I was going to say, I was never, like, a pink girly, as if my room wasn't, like, Pepto-Bismol pink for, like, the longest time. I was literally but, like, just going to, like, <laughs> yell into the microphone at you. <laughs> yeah. But, like, I don't, I don't remember a lot of things. Like, my favorite color was never pink. I never gravitated to, like, pink clothes. But then I was shopping for my outfit for this film. And I was just like, I love pink. Pink looks good. I need to wear more pink. I really liked seeing everyone kind of embrace that childhood tone again of like, we're dressing up to the nines. We're doing some girly girl outfits. I don't know. I just, it was like healing the inner child of myself. I love that you say it that way because I think that is in part what this movie is about, right? It's about healing your inner child. Um, Mm -hmm. It reminds me a lot of, I think it must have been a Tumblr post or something discussing all of the things that young girls love that end up being ridiculed and villainized, like Starbucks coffee and Uggs and Twilight. And it's just so silly because it's like, why don't we take the things that little girls like seriously? Why don't we take the color pink seriously? When I think back to my childhood, I was always a blue girl, right? I liked the color mm-hmm. blue. And, and this doesn't mean that I didn't actually like the color blue, but when I look back, part of me really does wonder if like part of the reason I liked the color blue was because it was different, because it rejects the color of pink, because it made me different in the eyes of young boys and p- the eyes of potential friends. And because wearing pink, expressing myself in girly ways would often lead to me losing friends that were boys um, who weren't interested in those things and were ridiculed themselves if they showed any interest in those things. I did the same thing. I was never a Twilight girly and I was definitely a part of the problem of just like, ugh, those annoying Twilight fans or like the girls who loved One Direction. People make fun of people for liking that stuff. So I'm like, oh, I don't want to be made fun of. So I'm going to not like those stuff. I'm going to like the opposite. Yeah. It's it's not great. It's not great. No. <laughs> the thing that makes me the saddest about this film is that there will be women who will not go and see it for the exact same reason. I saw a TikTok, um, and the user's name is Bada Bing Bada Boo, but the last two O's are zeros if you're looking <laughs> Incredible. for Incredible. They said, they are women who will not watch it, women who will mock it and denigrate it and say that whatever version of womanhood this represents Mine is different and special and far more worthy. I am so sorry for that pain. And I really resonate with this because I do feel kind of bad for all of the women that will villainize a movie that is meant to teach them to embrace who they are, to embrace their femininity, to embrace their womanhood, to embrace the experience of becoming a girl. Half of the Barbies in the movie, when Ken World basically spawns from... Ryan Gosling's misogynistic imagination become brainwashed by the Kens into believing that 
their value is only good if they're trad wives and if they're Mm -hmm. serving the men. And there are a lot of women in real life who actually think like that and will spend most of their lives acting that way, never being able to resonate with and fully connect with a movie like this because they're so brainwashed. And it just makes me really sad. Like, how how could you not go to this movie and love it? There's a part of me that's definitely um, a little bitter. Like, oh, sorry you're fucking boring and a loser. But then there's a part of me that's like, no, actually, that's also really sad that your life is like that. That your life is so fucked up and sad and that you've been taught for so long to believe that femininity, that girlhood, that womanhood, that pink are all evil things uh i just it, it i'm sorry i i just can't You're good. <laughs> imagine missing out on this movie because of misogyny because of what the movie's about it's just sad that like there are people who are reviewing the movie who are going into the movie never intending to like it and then trashing yeah. it and just clearly missing the point of the whole movie is like oh so you didn't watch it it's funny to me because a lot of these people are deciding to unleash hell on a movie that is about upholding your true identity, your true self, and not unleashing full hell, not ridiculing Oppenheimer, which Mm -hmm. is about the depravity of the U.S. government and military and is incredibly sympathetic to the plight of American communists. So it's just very interesting to me to see what people care about. Yeah, we talked a little bit earlier about mothers. I want to talk briefly about the role of elderly women in this movie because... (gasps) Yeah. They hold a very special place. We were just talking about how Barbie has often been upheld, sometimes harmfully, as an ideal of what women should look like. And yet this movie features two elderly women in very meaningful ways. And the first is sitting at the bus stop when Barbie is trying to remember who is playing with her and observing humanity, kids laughing and playing, couples fighting, men laughing. And she looks and sees this elderly woman beside her. So there's some misinformation going around that the woman on the bench is Barbara Handler, who is Ruth Handler's daughter, who is the namesake for Barbie. But that's not true. It's actually Anne Roth, who is an Oscar-winning costume designer and one of Greta's friends. Oh, cool. Barbie turns to her and says that she's beautiful. And I just think the power of that, of telling an elderly woman she's beautiful, and for her to respond back, I know this. I I know that. That is so awesome! I cried. I cried so much. The confidence. Because Barbie is over here panicking over cellulite. And then she sees this woman. Wrinkles and everything that comes with age because it's a natural human thing to have. She Mm -hmm. says, you're beautiful. And this woman confidently says, I know. It's like, yeah. Yeah. Isn't that what we all want? It's the confidence to be like, yeah, I know. I know, I know. And and that's the lovely thing, too. Like, that's also how the movie starts, which is so interesting, is, like, mm-hmm. all of the Barbies are complimenting each other, and there's no humility. There's no, like, oh, I, I'm so thankful and grateful for everything. I have to thank all the men in my life. There's none of that. It's just, I know, it's it's a privilege to have me here. It is, yeah. you know, and, and, I, and that kind of dissipates with the rise of the Ken world, Um, But it's so interesting because when you think back, when you're a girl, you have that confidence. You don't have the ridicule of the world around you weighing on you. So you don't think like that. 
Um, so to see an elderly woman respond that way in the real world is so powerful because it's like mm-hmm. there's such a campaign against becoming old and like I feel like anti-aging campaigns are prolific with all of like the messaging about like skincare products and makeup and photoshop and what have you so right. there's something so powerful about seeing an older woman say that the second elderly woman in the film Ruth Handler who is the creator of Barbie and who was played by Rhea Perlman is just incredible because she represents the mother, the mother, you know, mm-hmm. capital T, capital M. Um, and I think there's so much to unpack there with our previous conversation about motherhood and then considering that she is the person who kind of gives Barbie her existence, never knowing who she would become and what she would become. This is a really interesting point because later in the movie, kind of toward the end, the CEO, played by Will Ferrell, says, call me mother, the person oh, that I is. I forgot about that. And I like this because we know that Ruth is mother, but the CEO likes to think of himself as mother. Um, right. And this reminds me a lot. I'm going to go there. I'm going to go there. I'm, am I going to go there? I'm going to go there. Of Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. Um, and Ooh. the fact that the Dr. Frankenstein is so desperate to create a life something he can never do, something he will never have the power that women have to do, that he would just go and do it and and have it suffer, have that life that he created suffer just so that he could hold that power, just so that he could play God, just so that he could play mother. Um, mm-hmm. So I love that we see the CEO almost kind of trying to fit into that role. And it seems yeah. like that's what every male CEO at Mattel is doing. Um, and they mentioned how, oh, there was a woman in the 90s and there was a woman again for a little bit of time. But this is really important to us and we really value this and we love helping w- young women. And I just love that because I think it just speaks to like the critical conflict of a lot of the the Kens in this movie that they want the power. They want the autonomy that women have to do what they do and they want it so badly and they're so threatened by it that they would just take it instead of creating their own. Right. They make their own Mojo Dojo Casa House. <laughs> and on that note, speaking of Mojo Dojo Casa Houses, let's talk about Ken. Caitlin, what were your initial reactions to Ken? I kind of liked that Ken was kind of the main villain in this movie and instead of like the people at Mattel, which I thought it might be. But I like that it was more, like, the conflict was more of Barbie and Ken learning to coexist as equals and not just have one of them in control of everything. And I thought it was interesting that Ken had his own kind of crisis, in a way, and was just like, I don't know who I am without you. Like, his entire personality is built around Barbie and being there with Barbie, and because it's like she's everything and he's just Ken whereas like she's told that she has to be everything and all of the things and he is literally nothing and and he doesn't know how to exist outside of a system where his sole purpose is to pursue women right and he doesn't know that and so I thought it was really interesting for all of that to happen and for them to just try and figure out how to be equals in that way I found his storyline to be more interesting than I thought it was gonna be yeah there are so many ways that I feel like you could take Ken in one of these movies I think one of the most expected ways would be that he would be the love interest. Yeah, and I'm so glad he wasn't. The amount of times that he like tried to advance and she was just like, no, 
And then I love that they didn't end up together at all. You think that throughout the movie it's going to end up where she's going to be like, okay, I guess I'll go with you. And that never happens. And I think it's great and refreshing. I'm learning that a lot of people felt that way, that they thought that maybe Barbie and Ken would end up together regardless and it would ruin the movie for them. I, for some reason, by the grace of God, I walked into that movie with the confidence that Ken and Barbie would not end up together. I just knew that Greta would not do me dirty like that. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why. Like, I have, my expectations should not be that high. It's Hollywood. But for some reason, I don't know, like, the moment we met Ken, I was like, this guy has <laughs> nothing going for Margot Robbie. Like, um, and mind you, like, Ryan Gosling does such an incredible job. Like, I completely underestimated yeah. him. Here's the thing about Ryan Gosling is I can't name a single movie he's been in. So I, like, the people were like, him? And I was like, why not? I don't know. <laughs> What's going on? But what to movies that point, have you been in? Uh, the Notebook. Uh, oh, I never saw it. You should see it. <laughs> There's a lot of movies I should see. Um, <laughs> They're probably all Ryan Gosling la la land i actually i don't know oh i did see that but i forgot about it on purpose um don't take us back there ken is actually an incredibly tragic character because he represents every boy you know that's fallen down a pipeline of toxic masculinity like Mm -hmm. i think back to all of the friends i had when i was a child that were boys that just stopped playing with me one day with no explanation many of those boys went on to be horrific people who like try to come on to me even though we'd spent most of our lives together it kind of breaks my heart because i think that's what ken is meant to embody um he's constantly rejected by barbie and he ultimately ends up hurting her in part because she doesn't feel the same way about him and because he doesn't know who he is outside of that system where his only purpose is to pursue her and even when he's stolen her house brainwashed her friends everything she's still kind to him she's the only one who apologizes she's the one that worries when that they're no longer friends or that he no longer likes her as a friend she's the one that seems to feel the most guilt over doing the right thing because he doesn't even see how he's hurt her yes and and that's the other thing that gets me and this is aggravating honestly i remember watching (laughs) the scene and just being like really irate that ken took everything from barbie without an ounce of remorse everything Mm -hmm. that was hers that she worked for um and at the end he she was still kind to him she could have thrown ken in the ocean and let john cena (laughs) eat his blonde ass (laughs) but she took pity on him and i feel like that says so much about the pressure that patriarchy puts on us to be kind to men when they are being horrific to us um Because you're going to get called a bitch if you don't. Yeah. Another thing that I like about this movie is it is, I think, very fair in its uh, depiction of men in patriarchy um, because it acknowledges that patriarchy is inherently social. Like, there's nothing natural about a man's desire to control a woman. Men don't just, like, become babies and then go goo goo gaga, time to be an asshole to every woman I know. It isn't an inherent desire so much as socialization that encourages men to oppress women. So in the beginning of the film, the Barbies adore the Kens, in the way that like mothers adore their sons it almost i think mimics the early stages of childhood for boys where they're often surrounded by positive female role models like their mothers and haven't yet Mm. learned to resent them but then that ultimately happens only when ken is socialized to a world where men are in power and when he feels the desire for male approval is he encouraged to take on misogynistic views 
Caitlin. That's me. What was your favorite part of the movie? Well, speaking of Ken, the moment that he started breaking out into song and there was a whole musical moment with all the Kens, I never laughed so hard in my life. I thought that was so much fun. And I keep singing that damn song because it's stuck in my head. I think we need more random musical, like, oh. like musical scenes in movies. It was just joy of yeah. seeing them all dance together and, like, fight each other on the beach and singing. And I was going to say there's no reason for it, but, like, I don't think this movie would be the same without it. Like, I loved it so much, and it just made me so happy because it was just such a fun time. I think I read somewhere that it was just, like, something that Ryan Gosling had been tooling around with and there was no serious intention to include it in the movie and it ended up going in. That's how all great things happen. And I think this is a good example of that. I think the thing that like even over like more so than the musical number was the that really made me laugh was the depression Barbie commercial. (laughs) Oh that was that hit too close to home. That's when that's when Greta Gerwig came out into my theater. She pointed at me and said you. You. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like, not only was it all very relatable, but she hit you with the repeated watch of the BBC Pride and Prejudice. That was some bullshit right there. Hello? How do you know? Are you surveilling me, Greta? Are you in my house? Do you have my house bugged? Do you have my house bugged? How do you know? How do you know that I've been doing that for the past 25 years? Like, don't don't worry about it, Greta. What the heck? What are you doing? So she really came for me in that scene, and that's what made me laugh so hard. Like, te- like tears. Again, this movie made me cry both in, like, existential crisis tears and also just tears from laughter. So I'll use my favorites list to give my flowers to Kate McKinnon as Weird Barbie. Um, oh my god, yeah. I love Weird Barbie because everyone, this is the most relatable, one of the most relatable aspects of the film to me. Everyone has a Weird Barbie. Everyone has, yes. and if it's not a Barbie, everyone at least has like a toy as a child that you just put through the, the fucking ringer, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and I love that Weird Barbie, despite being Weird Barbie and despite having gone through the ringer with a little girl somewhere, continues to help all the other Barbies. Like, she is the person that helps stereotypical Barbie find her way when um, she needs to find the little girl that's playing with her. I think that, personally, to me, speaks to the collective experience of womanhood and of, like, having a day when you're really fucking going through it and you feel like (laughs) weird Barbie, you know, getting shoved into the split position and then dragged across a carpet and drawn on (laughs) with crayon and dunked in toilet water, having her hair chopped off, and yet still taking the time to give another woman in your life grace because you know she needs it and be there Mm -hmm. for her. Oh, like that hurts a little bit. That hurts me. Don't do that. Don't do that. Um, I also liked her dog. Oh, yeah. um, Pooped because I had that dog. Had that. I had that and I forgot about it until I watched the movie and I was like, oh my god! When that dog showed up, everything everything in my life turned on its head. I got my shit rocked yeah. by that dog. I was like, I remember you. Where are you now? Memories unlocked. Yeah. Where are you? What what giant plastic container in my garage are you in? Because I need to find you. I was just you. thinking about the plastic containers <laughs> in my basement where I'm like, you're in there somewhere. Exactly. Exactly. For me, I think it had to be the very end of the movie 
where, and this is like my all-time favorite scene, um, oh. where Ruth and Barbie walk out into the, the liminal space and Barbie asks Ruth for the permission to be human and realizes she never needed it. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, uh-oh. <laughs> oh, no. Uh-oh. She's going to start crying. <laughs> oh, I'm crying on Maine. <laughs> I'm crying. Uh-oh. And I like it because it's usually me who cries in the podcast, so I like this role reversal. <laughs> I'm over here like, it was a fun time, and you're over here like, <laughs> I'm over here like, the patriarchy and misogyny <laughs> and motherhood and maternal instincts and sisterhood. Um, but Ruth, Ruth takes her hand and said, well, Ruth says, take my hands, close your eyes. <laughs> You are not well. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. I'm not well. Okay, sidebar. I I was in a move I was in a meeting today. Uh mm-hmm. and I was as I was in this meeting, I was admittedly not very engaged. And I was thinking <laughs> about this scene and I started crying on camera. But oh my god. I was watching myself in the zoom camera. And I got the impression that you couldn't tell I was crying. But then I got a message from my coworker afterward. And she was like, are you okay? She said, she goes, and this woman, and this is, and again, it's all full circle because this is an older woman who asked me this, a woman my mother's age. So it all comes Mm -hmm. back to the maternal instinct. She goes, is everything well over there? (laughs) No. Everything is not well. And I that's when say, Billie Eilish will be paying for my therapy bills for that one. Last night when I got home, I started singing that song to myself and it made me cry. Yeah, no, same. That my that was my voice. entire way home from Barbie. I was like, <laughs> it's, it's, I keep seeing people on TikTok now, like girls on TikTok are making co- like video collages of yeah. their childhood and growing up with their friends to yeah. that song. And I'm like, I can't do this right now. Don't, yeah. don't make this my feed. I can't. I'm not strong enough by Boy Genius. Is this a good time? Is this a good time to bring up the We Were Girls Together bench? Uh, I was thinking about that the entire movie. Go, oh, we go were girls forward together. from this podcast and Google the We Were Girls Together bench and you'll have yourself a good cry. In this scene in the movie that we were just talking about several hours ago in this podcast, Ruth says, take my hand, close your eyes, Trying to get through it. I'm going to get through it. I'm going to get through it. You can do it. You can do it. Now feel. And then the songs, and then Billy's voice comes in. And you see all of this home footage of girls and women. It was so beautiful. Just living their lives. Smiling. And laughing. And being girls together. When I tell you, I saw... I literally just got chills. <laughs> oh, baby, you are not okay. That's one of those things. one of those things you can't even... Oh, my God. It was beautiful. It, here's the thing. is that, like, like, the fun experience of going to a theater that's packed and, like, full, like, every seat is full, is, like, hearing everyone laugh together. Yeah. But the silence in the theater when that was going on, except for the sniffles 
all around us is like we were all going through that together because we could all relate to it and like think of the time that we were all girls together as this beautiful song plays it was so much and it's part of the reason I believe and if not the reason why everyone came out of that theater went to the bathroom and were complimenting each other and like talking to each other as if we were all best friends it reminded us all I think that womanhood in all of its beauty and terror is such a gift I will be calling my therapist about about that Dana Um, will be hearing about this Dana will be hearing about this Caitlin, who was your favorite ensemble Barbie? Weird Barbie. Weird Barbie for sure. It's because like I just kept thinking about the Barbies that I had that I would do that to. It's like those human things where it's like you're not taught to do it. Everyone just does it uh-huh. anyway. Like a good example that I like is um, when you're in the car as a kid and it's raining and you're watching like two rain droplets like race together. Oh. And it's like everyone... It's, that's not something that is taught where it's like okay this is what you're gonna do it's just everyone kind of does that yeah i love that weird barbie was there because every girl no matter what had a barbie that it was designated like you're the one i'm gonna mess up you're the one whose hair i'm gonna yeah. cut and i'm gonna learn that it's not gonna grow back you're the one i'm gonna draw on i'm gonna put nail polish on you i'm gonna dress you up and do this i'm gonna put you in the splits like yeah it just made me think of that barbie that i designated because i'm just like i so badly want to cut your hair but i know it's gonna like i'm gonna be so upset but i don't yeah. want to do this barbie so it's gonna be you yeah and it just made me like kind of feel nostalgic for that and kate mckinnon is just very good and she was perfect for that role and every interview i've seen of her talk about this i'm like oh yes yeah <laughs> we meant for this yeah what about you harry naff just really got me this movie her delivery of every line was just so comforting. I love that she was mm-hmm. a doctor. I love that. It reminds yes. me so much. We have a friend, a close friend that's in the medical field. Um, and it reminded me so much of her when she was so, it's okay. Everything's okay. But then when she held up Barbie's flat foot and was like, oh, it got me so good. It got me so good. I was like, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Um, so I loved her. Someone else who I think deserves their flowers in this movie for just not necessarily being Barbie and not necessarily being Ken either, but just being themselves is Alan. Alan! (laughs) I think we should talk about Alan for a second because he represents a very unique place, I think, in the Barbie world. He's Ken's best friend historically. Um, He is oftentimes considered to be queer-coded in the Barbie lore because, like, why is Ken's friend's clothes fit? him perfectly (laughs) and why are they all so close and what's what's up with alan um so i like the different readings of alan as a being an ally to the barbies um because he's marginalized from all the kens and wants the girls back in barbie land so that he can feel accepted again and then also as um a queer person or and then also sometimes in other folks's readings as a non-binary person um, mm. someone who doesn't seem to fit the mold of the the feminine experience of the Barbies or the very hyper-masculine experience of the Kens. So I just loved him so much. Michael Sarah. Michael Sarah was perfect. Rotten essence. 
fun essence to the film. I, I just, the line where he's just like, and once we figure out how to build this wall sideways instead of just up, we're going to make it. Uh, <laughs> and there's just something, something about that. I don't know. It just killed me. I'm like, yeah. Just the pan over to the brick wall just going yeah he kind of like almost like breaks that fourth wall in a way yeah where the narrator's just like there's alan there's only been one alan and he's like yeah it's kind of weird kind of feel weird about that yeah <laughs> yeah like, yeah yeah why is that yeah we're not sure why either oh i love is. the fourth wall break it's hard to do mm-hmm. a fourth wall break without like turning to the camera and winking these days sometimes it feels like that <laughs> But I think this film pretty consistently did that well. Like, this was a very self-aware picture. Like, to the extent that Barbie, the Barbie that has been messaged to us throughout the entirety (laughs) of this film's promotion as Barbie, is actually just stereotypical Barbie. That was one of my favorite revelations of the movie, that, like, she isn't just Barbie. Because we know that all the other Barbies are different types of Barbies. There's President Barbie, you know, there's Dr. Barbie. So for Margot Robbie's Barbie to be stereotypical Barbie, I think it, like, really validated the movie because there was that nuance of, like, Margot Robbie is a gorgeous woman. And And they broke the fourth wall with that one, too. Yes, and we should recognize that while also making statements about women's body image. I want to just acknowledge that two things can be true about this movie. One, that it is a good, enjoyable film and that We've all really liked it. And two, that capitalizes on nostalgia within an industry where most folks are historically underpaid and overworked. So I'd like to take a moment um, to acknowledge the efforts of the WGA and SAG-AFTRA and their efforts um, to get better wages for creative people and folks in the entertainment industry. Um, We will link in the episode description for this episode ways that you can support the WGA and SAG-AFTRA at this time. Yes. All they're asking for is less than 1% of the annual revenues. (laughs) Which shouldn't be a problem. I saw the numbers the other day. Yeah. And I was just like, you can't give up 0.6 something, like 0.6% of your annual. I don't know. I'll never understand it. I'm not a billionaire CEO, but this is kind of ridiculous. And the amount of headlines that I've seen that are misleading of just like, oh, this show was this close to finishing before the writers went on strike. It's just like, mm-hmm. oh, well, this show was close to finishing before the executives decided not to pay the writers what they're due. <laughs> yeah. I know that you and I have to get on invoicing Billie Eilish for all of the therapy that we're going to have yeah, after a big number. hearing what was I made for for the 100th time over the past 24 hours and not getting sick of it but instead feeling um deeply emotional about it so that's gonna do it for us thank you for listening <laughs> to it for us. Yeah, that's gonna do it for us thank you for listening to live by moonlight we'll see you next time where we do something yeah maybe bye, bye.